turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We are continuing in a study on the church. And in Acts chapter 2, in in the book of Acts, we find um, just a real window to the early church. And we learn so much uh, what God intended for a church by uh, looking into the book of Acts. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 40... We read, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked or untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. Let's just ask God's direction. Lord, we pause now, not as a matter of habit or tradition, but we really pause because we want you to do the ministry. I pray that you would direct my mind and, and tongue and actions. And, Lord, I pray that you would direct each of our hearing, that our hearts would be open and receptive to the ministry of your Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that you would just do a, a great work for your honor and glory. We rejoice today in who you are, and we rejoice in your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> My limited experience in, in coaching has found several common threads, whether it's uh, wrestling or soccer or whatever it is. Kids want to come, and you're trying to teach them something as a coach. And I can remember working with young kids in wrestling and even high school kids and before practice, they'd be out there wrestling around, and then the coach would blow the whistle. All right, now we not bring it in, you know, and you do your warm-ups, and then we need to work on this. We need to work on your stand-up, and you'd go over these various things, and, and we got to work, and it's like, ah, and some kid would verbalize with everybody else, can't we just wrestle? And same thing in soccer. Are we going to scrimmage today? Are we going to scrimmage today? Can't we just scrimmage? Uh, no, you don't know how to kick a ball, trap a ball. You don't know which way the ball is supposed to go. No, we're not going to. Can't we just play? Can't we just play? And, you know, the same thing you really find in church. It's, it's not just play. Can't we just play? It's I, I just want Jesus. I, just don't confuse me with all this other stuff. I just want Jesus. Let's just have Jesus. Well, you know, that, that sounds good. And usually what they're saying is, don't bother me with all this doctrine. Don't bother me with all this other teaching. Just, just give me Jesus. Well, what kind of Jesus do you want? 
Do you want a Jesus born of a young girl or born of a virgin? Do you want a Jesus that is the Son of God or just a man? Do you want Jesus that actually was a doer of miracles or a Jesus that was just a teacher? Do you want a sinless Jesus? Do you want a Jesus that fulfilled prophecy or was just another prophet? Do you want a Jesus that was a martyr? Or do you want a Jesus that was the sacrificial lamb of God? Do you want a Jesus that was risen again? Or do you want a Jesus that disappeared in thin air or was stolen away? Some say, well, uh, I just, I just want a, a church that just focuses on the gospel. It's all about the gospel. Well, we know the gospel is good news, but good news for who? Are all people sinners? Is it the only way? Is there total forgiveness by grace alone through faith, or must I do something? Baptism, works, or whatever. Is my salvation eternal? Or not? Am I kept by the power of God? Or by my own power? Is this gospel for all mankind? Am I sealed by the Spirit of God? Or does the Spirit of God come at separate times? So see, you start asking all these questions and what you're dealing with is doctrine. It's teachings. And in the early church we read, they that gladly received his word, followed the Lord in the waters of baptism, they were added unto the church, and it says, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine. I I have to personally admit that... Um, early days of my ministry, it was, it was easier for me to emphasize just the practical aspect of things and not really get the doctrinal, the teachings, the, the thing that gave the meat to the practical aspect. If you don't have a foundation of doctrine in your life, you're going to be in trouble. You know, it, it's amazing why people go to various churches. Some go because of the programs. Some go because of the people. Some go because of the music. Some go because of the location. But, you know, it's amazing how few people say, I want to make sure the Word of God is taught there. And this is the first thing that they said. They continued in, in the apostles' doctrine. You look throughout out Scripture, and, and during this, this series we're referencing um, First and Second Timothy and Titus a lot because Paul was writing to Timothy and Titus and giving them instruction in, in church matters. And in, in Titus chapter 2, 
He wrote to Titus and he said, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. He was emphasizing the teaching of it. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 3, in verse 2, we looked at it some last week. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Oh, we don't want doctrine. Just just tell me about Jesus, that he loves me, that he loves everybody, that he's going to make everything wonderful. Okay, what Jesus? You know, there's there's a lot of people that believe about a lot of religions that believe about Jesus. But is it the Jesus that the Bible tells us about? And that's where it's very important that that we truly understand doctrine. In, in Titus again, in Titus chapter 1, in verse 9, he wrote to Titus, Holding fast the faithful, faithful word as you have been taught, that you may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convince those that are in opposition. So, throughout it, we find this emphasis on doctrine, the teaching, the, the foundation, what do we believe? Why do we believe it? Last Sunday we said um, one of the, the, the number one chief distinctives that we ought to have is that the Bible is our only rule for authority and practice. So why does doctrine matter? Can't we just go on and no? doctrine is important. Because, number one, we must worship God in truth. John chapter 4, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I can't just come to God on my own terms. Well, this is how I think God ought to be worshipped, so I'm going to go worship Him in this way. No. God laid down truths about Himself, about us, about coming to Him, about how we should worship Him. Studying doctrine is just finding out the truth about God. Finding out what does God's Word tell me about God. And God lays down, He said, this is the only way that you can come to me. This is who I am. This is who you are. And this is the only solution. So, um, we must worship God in truth. God says there's coming a day when many people will be shocked when they stand before God and, and they sincerely and seriously thought they were serving God. And in Matthew chapter 7, God is going to say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Iniquity is self-willed. It literally means self-willed. I believe God is like this, so this is how I'm going to serve him. This is what I think is acceptable to him. This is what I'm going to do. And, and it may look good, and there may be many people that agree, and it may make you feel better. But somewhere along the line, we're going to run into the truth that God says, no, this is who I am. 
and this is how you must approach me. And that's why doctrine's important. We can't worship God if, we're, if we don't understand the teachings about God. We must worship Him in truth. Secondly, genuine faith must be based on a specific message. It is faith alone in Jesus Christ that matters. It is not faith in faith. I'm always leery of, of people that, that say, I have, I have my faith. What does that mean? I mean, I, I believe that I'm good enough or I believe that I know about Jesus. No, it's not faith. It's not faith, period, that saves us. It is faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves us. And it's understanding. It is this specific message. The faith must be in Jesus Christ. It's this specific message that God says that, that He blesses, that God works through. Not just in the realm of, of salvation. We walk by faith. So what is it I'm believing? Well, I think God is for this. Oh, really? What, what doctrine, what teaching of His Word backs that up? Thirdly, doctrine matters because what we believe affects what we do. What we believe affects what we do. Behavior is an extension of theology, or other words, what we believe about God. And there is a direct correlation between what we think and how we act. We are living in a society that is trying to draw a line and make a mark of separation between how people think and how they act. For, for decades, we have been telling people to think there is no God. And we failed to realize if they think that way, then they'll go shoot people they don't like whenever they want to. And it doesn't matter if you take all their guns away, they're still thinking wrong. The problem's in the heart. And what we think about God affects our behavior. So doctrine is a study about God. It's, it's looking into the Word of God to know about God. And what we believe affects what we do. Let's say you go out after church and you look up and there's two guys standing on the roof of the church. Over here on this side, okay, because it drops further, all right? Make it more dramatic. And you say, what are you guys doing up there? And one guy says, I'm up here with this guy because I'm worried about him. He thinks he can fly. What he believes affects what he do, will do. If he really believes he can fly, he'll jump off the building and we know the rest of the story. 
What we think affects what we do, but it doesn't change the consequences. If I think something that's false, by my thinking it's true, it does not change the truth. If it's false, I think it's true, it will be exposed to me that that was false. That's why it's so important that we study doctrine. A man who believes there is no such thing as right and wrong will naturally behave differently from a man who believes in well-defined moral standards. A man that believes... I'll never, there is no eternity, there is no God, I'll never answer to God. He will most definitely believe differently than someone that believes there is a God. We, we try to, to pen people in, in their behaviors without changing the heart or changing the way they think. And the problem is, doctrine is very important. That's why he said, give yourself to sound doctrine over and over again. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. And notice verse 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers and manslayers and whoremongers and them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. Now, Right there, he's given a list of, of all kinds of sin. Murders of fathers and mothers, manslayers, whoremongers, homosexuality, kidnappers, liars, perjured persons. But then notice what he adds at the end. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Notice what he said. There is sound doctrine, and anything that is contrary is lumped in with all these things that we think are big sins. What he's saying is, departing from sound teaching is a great, great error. Because what you believe affects what you do. A thorough knowledge of what the Bible teaches, the Bible doctrines will give you the tools to sort out the practical problems of living in this fallen world. Even in the matters that the Bible does not speak expressly, it will give you wisdom. Wait a minute. This is how God is. Since God is this, what impact will that have on this question I have in mind here? But if we don't know the sound doctrine. So the early church, they joined the church and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Number four, we've already alluded to this uh, to some degree, but it protects us from falsehood. 
When we went through 1 John, we looked at 1 John 4.1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Most cults, most false teachers do not deny everything in the Bible. In fact, they often affirm much of it. But they deviate on key issues that poison the whole thing. You'll find people that say, yep, we believe in Jesus too. Well, you need to ask them, what's this Jesus you believe in? Is he the brother of Lucifer? Is that the Jesus you believe in? Is he a, is he a created being? A recently published survey found that in the broad spectrum of Protestant evangelicals, 11% strongly agree that Jesus was the first creature created by God. 17% believe that the Father is more divine than Jesus, and 35% believe the Holy Spirit to be a spiritual force rather than a personal being. These are basic elements of Christianity. And if you're scratching your head saying, well, isn't that true? It's evident we need, to, we need to get some biblical doctrine. But when you know the truth, you'll be able to say, wait a minute. This is what you believe about Jesus? That he was created by God? No, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. You're a false teacher. This is what you believe about Jesus? Well, that isn't what the Bible declares. But understand, doctrine matters because it is a life or death matter. If I am wrong in my finances, I may lose some money. If I am wrong in health issues, I may actually lose my physical life. But I am, if I am wrong in spiritual matters, I will be condemned for an eternity. Doctrine concerns the true natures of the universe and the meaning of human life. And if I am wrong in that, it is a big thing. It's a big thing so big that in the end, the only thing that matters is doctrine, biblical doctrine. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 again. Notice what he, what he says, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Take heed unto yourself, Timothy, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will both save yourself and those that hear you. Notice that. You continue in the doctrine, it will be instrumental in saving you and in saving those that hear you. But if you are in false doctrine, if you aren't grounded in the Word of God, it will not save you and you won't be instrumental in bringing life to others. It's a matter of life and death. So much so that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia where they were teaching um, some false things about the gospel. And he said, if any man comes to you and preaches any other gospel, 
Let him be anathema, or let him be eternally condemned. That's how strong God brought that message to the church at Galatia. Why? Mark 8.36, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What does it profit a man if he knows a lot about God but doesn't know the God of the Bible? What does it profit a man if he lives a nice life and blesses certain people if he doesn't have forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ alone? Back to 1 Timothy again in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul, writing pretty strongly, said, notice this. He said at verse 3, 1 Timothy 6, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, <clears throat> even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, notice what he says about that man. He doesn't consent to the doctrine of Christ. He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. <clears throat> Notice what Paul said. If there comes someone and, and they don't hold the doctrines of Jesus Christ, he said, that man is proud and he doesn't know anything. That's exactly what, whoa, that's pretty strong. Why? It's a matter of life and death. Don't get caught up into this. Well, I think Jesus is this and I think Jesus is this. It's amazing what's going on in, in churches today, <clears throat> all in order to draw a crowd. I mean, Joel Osteen has blatantly said, I try not to emphasize doctrine. How can you do that? How can you believe the Bible? Well, it seems to work for him, people say. He has 16,000 people at his church. What are you, little pipsqueak? You have... What do you got right here? You don't have anything. Who are you to criticize Joel Osteen? You know what? I'm not. It's the Word of God. You cannot neglect doctrine. There are people that today are, that used to be supposedly true to the Word of God that no longer think the doctrine of the Trinity is essential. I mean, really? There are people purposely planning when, when they're establishing their churches that, that say, no, um, you know, emphasizing doctrine. One of the reasons we are still Grace Baptist Church, and I understand with the name Baptist, there are other things that come along with it, but it, it identifies to people to a certain degree what we are. Purposely, people are calling Grace Church. Why? We don't want to emphasize any doctrines. Somewhere along the line, you've got to emphasize doctrine. 
Well, we just want to preach the gospel. Okay, is it a gospel that once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God? Or is it a gospel that, no, I'm not a child of God when I don't do certain things? Or what is it? And he said, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Do you understand? It's up to us individually to know the truth. And it is important that we understand how important doctrine is. A man by the name of Alan Wolf, in a book he wrote, The Transformation of American Religion, said American faith has met American culture and the American culture has triumphed. Why? Because we don't know the Word of God. We don't know doctrine. Is it important what you believe about the end times? I think it would be. One-fourth of the Bible is prophecy. I mean, I think one-fourth of the Bible is pretty important. Is it important that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead? Is it important that If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that Jesus is God. I think it's pretty important. See, we like those restaurants where you can go and pick whatever you want. I'll take this, I'll take that. When it comes to Christianity, it's not a smorgasbord. This is who God says he is. And this is his plan. Take it or leave it. And that's really what God says. Why? He gives every one of us a choice, doesn't he? What will you do with Jesus? Well, I'm going to make this Jesus, and I really love that Jesus. He's love, and he's good, and he wants to bless me, and he prosperity... I don't know how many of you get Seth Meyers' email. But he, at the next door neighbor where he was with a fellow pastor, there was this guy in there preaching the prosperity gospel. God wants you rich. I see, I see all of you as millionaires. Yeah! You know. Ooh. And same stuff's going on here. Tell Stephen, tell Paul, tell John, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, tell Pastor Saeed, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a lie from the pit of hell that uses the name Jesus and uses God. And do you understand? It's up to us personally. To know the Bible. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a love of you that draws us to your word to know you. That we would give ourselves to sound doctrine. Lord, I pray if there is anyone here today who has never accepted your terms for forgiveness of sin, I pray today that they would come 
to humble themselves and cry upon you for the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ alone. Then, Lord, I pray for every believer here. Perhaps some have thought, oh, doctrine, don't confuse me with all this stuff. Perhaps some have just been negligent in their own personal study. Lord, I pray that you would stir us to be people of the book. And I pray that when we stand before you, we would not be ashamed. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together our heads.